Several years ago, a Peace Corps uh, a worker wrote a children's book based upon her, her experience in, in Africa. It tells the story of a young girl named Yemi, uh, whose mother asked her to watch her baby brother, Koku, on a trip to the market. Yemi is proud to be watching her brother all by herself. But soon after they get to the market, Yemi turns her head for a moment and Coco slips away. Yemi frantically searches the market for her lost brother, worried that he's hungry or thirsty or tired. But as it turns out, Coco never had a chance to be hungry or thirsty or tired because every adult he bumped in, into took care of him for a few minutes, giving him something to eat and something to drink and a quiet place to take a rest. When Yemi finally found her brother, he was happy, um, well-fed and rested. She heard him back to their mother and told her how she had lost Koku for a while, but all the people of the village took care of him until she found him again. Uh, Yemi's mother wasn't surprised at all. She looked at her daughter and said, what my mama told me, I will tell you. We don't raise our children by ourselves. It takes a village to raise a child. Now, every one of us here, now sitting, uh, has bits of influence from people around us. Your parents, your grandfather, your grandmother, uh, friends, neighbors, who, whoever is it that you know, lived with you or influenced you, uh, they have a bit of influence in your life. And what your life today is a result of their impact on you in the past. Now, I remember um, how my parents would, would teach um, on household chores. Oh, I, I've learned um, uh, as a young age, in my young age, I know most of the household chores uh, inside the house. So, well, of course, you have no choice because they will spank you, right? Um, but of course, uh, for that very little age, when I, uh, when I was in my elementary age, um, I know how to um, you know, prepare a meal and all of those things. I've learned it because my parents taught me. So the, the influence that they, they had was excellent. But what made my heart most thankful to the Lord was my parents' godly influence in my life. They would always make sure that we will not miss church services. They would send us to camp always. And that's the reason why I got saved. Um, so camp ministry is very dear to my heart. It brings back those uh, memory and, and uh, those, uh, uh, that day that I received Christ as my Lord and Savior. And so they would explain to us uh, what is right and wrong and they would always make sure that I have a godly influence, even they were not there by my side. And when I decided to go to Bible college, 
for just a year. I told, I told my mom to, and, my, and my dad to, to just go into Bible college for just a year. Um, because I have this uh, soft spot in my heart about pastors. But the thing is, it discouraged me when I saw uh, just going to the third world you know, country and see how, how pastors live there. And it's really, it's difficult. And especially, I have a privilege to go into the mountains wherein, I, you know, pastors live there. They've, they just survive in only 500 pesos a month. And it's, it's really... Um, you know, um, for me, it's like heartbreaking. Uh, these people served, gave their life in that this is all that they have. But of course, it brings something in my heart also that is a negative side, wherein, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be a pastor because of that uh, situation. So it brings the negative into my heart also and that I aspired to be an engineer. Um, but when I, I, I told my mom, my mom and dad to go to uh, Bible college for just a year, I had their 100% support. They would always say, wherever God leads you, we, will all, we are all for it. We are all for it. Little did I know that God changed my way. God changed my heart's desire. God changed my passion. From my passion for becoming an engineer, he turns my heart to the greater need. You know, as, as, uh, when I was in Bible college for just a year, we had a missions conference, and the pastor talks about Matthew chapter 9, verses 37. And really, that I, I heard that, that verse so, so often. You know, I grew up in, 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 in a Christian home, and I grew up in the church. And, uh, when, but when the speaker told me about, uh, speak about the life of Paul, and he also discussed the uh, Matthew and how the need is really growing, especially now, this, even in these days. And he said in Matthew 9, 37, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Now, that's why I am passionate about Bible college, and I believe that every Christian needs a sound understanding of their faith. You know, there's um, a vast majority right now in different continents that people of God or even those who are led to Christ Eventually, as soon as they uh, got into Christian service, and because of little faith, or because of little knowledge that they had, they've been influenced by the wrong doctrine. They've influenced by wrong teachings. They've influenced by uh, these false prophets. You know, I heard, um, I heard a story, and there's one prophet in Malawi. I, I don't know if uh, Miss Millie is here. But there's one prophet in Malawi that uh, um, he's selling a miracle soap, you know, bath soap. And he's trying to convince people that this soap is actually can wash your sins away. And it's so bad doctrine that even people can misled on those kind of wrong teaching. 
The Bible says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast reject knowledge, rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. Thou shalt, that thou shalt be no priest, priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of, my, of thy God, I will also forget thy children. For me, this is the most devastating in the life of the Israelites because God tell them if you, you know, if you've uh, rejected my knowledge, if you rejected my commandments, I will not be your God and you will not be my children anymore. And it, if you try to um, contemplate that, if God will tell you you're not my child anymore, and how, it, how devastating is that for you, Right? If you children, if, if your father or mother would, well, God forbid, that they would say, tell to you that you're not my child anymore, that I, I know that's very devastating to your life. And so the question for us this evening, why is it necessary to have a Bible college? Why we have it? And um, why we are trying to... To, to make it to a point that uh, we need a Bible college, um, especially here in Pacific West. Now, in the passage that we have read, uh, though it does not speak about Bible college, you cannot see Bible college there the, on, on, in the passage that we have read. Um, but we can draw, draw principles out from it. And the text will give us an answer to the question that we have this evening. Why it is necessary to have a Bible college? And number one, I would like to draw your attention into verse 5 of the passage that we have read. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their, to their children. There is a command to obey. There is a command to obey. Now, in context, God commanded the nation of Israel, especially parents, to make known to their children his statutes and, and uh, his judgments. Now, look with me, uh, please, in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Okay, can you, uh, you turn back, flip the page, and go to Deuteronomy chapter 4. I'll be reading verse, verses 5 to 6. Okay, verse 5, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye, ye should do so in the land, whether ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for there, this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Now, the keeping and doing involves teaching God's word to their children. Now, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, where it says, And thou shalt teach them, referring to the commandments of God, diligently unto thy children. In a similar principle, we are told in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, that the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, 
The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So the idea of passing the faith, passing the faith to another generation and that each Christian should obey. From a church perspective, it is our responsibility to pass on the pure word of God to our younger generation. For me, a younger generation can have two, imp two implications. So number one, physical age, of course. We have younger generation here. But also, we can put that in a spiritual perspective wherein we have younger in Christ. Right? Some of you probably um, who have, you know, older than my age. But of course, you've been a Christian for just a year or two years, something like that. So um, you've, you would consider yourself to be younger in Christ. And that's why it is our responsibility as a church to pass on or passing the faith to the younger generation. Their brothers and sisters, this is the reason why we have a Bible college. We indeed have Sunday school, right? We do have a Sunday school. We have uh, preaching in the morning. We have also evening service, preaching there. We have prayer meeting. There's another preaching there. We have fellowships throughout the year. But tell me honestly, are there really enough for us to have a sound understanding of our faith in God's word? It's not enough, right? It is not enough. Uh, Spurgeon made an astounding statement while speaking to the group of young evangelists and pastors. He said, indeed, you do not, you do not need to do Bible college to preach the word. He is right. But oh, if only you would spend a year or two in Bible college, you would be more sure of what you say and make far less foolish statements as you get to know this word you believe. This is a comment uh, from his book, Lectures to My Students. And I believe that we have the most potent and practical tool in, to impact Surrey and impact the whole world. It is the word of God. That's our main book. That's our main book in Pacific West Baptist College. We don't have, um, well, daily bread, something like that, or we don't have any something, um, you know, not a biblical perspective in biblical textbook, and not a biblical textbook. This is our main book, main textbook. This is what we are trying to give to our students. So you might ask, so what is that for me? Uh, what might be the benefit of the church? What would be the result if we obey God's command to teach younger generation? And then glad you asked. Uh, let's turn back to Psalm 78. If, I, I know you're still there, but um, 78 verses 6 and 7. Psalm 78, verses 6 and 7. Okay, I will be reading this. 
that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. When I see this, this is it's like, wow. We have a generation, if we try to pass on the word of God in our faith. We have a generation. You can see here in this verses, three principles or three truths. If we pass on to the next generation, the word of God and our faith, we have a generation who has a sound understanding of, our, of faith. It says there that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born. And the second one, a generation who boldly preach and teach uh, the word of God. In verse 6 there, in the later part, who should arise and declare them to their children. And then the third one, a generation whose hope is in God. Not only that, he, they remember his works, and also they would keep his commandments. That's the kind of generation that we would have. Right? If I ask you, do you want this kind of generation? And so we should be praying for our younger generation that they should walk in the statute of the Lord, and they would also declare the word of God to their friends. And they will also put their trust and hope. And they would always remember the work of the Lord in their lives. And that they would keep his commandments. This is a kind of generation that we are long for. And the, the, the reason why we don't have that generation nowadays is because lots of churches, even universities, public schools, they deny the word of God anymore. They're not there. They're not there anymore. I read a story of a dad in Massachusetts and how he passionately taught his son the game baseball. Now, I'm not the person that you want to ask about baseball, okay? But um, um, just a fun fact, uh, this is my first sport when I was in grade three. I don't know about anything, but I'm just to say, um, my coach told me, okay, you'll be the catcher, you just, oh, what you do is you catch the, the ball. <laughs> okay, so every springtime, um, kids all, all the ages uh, are playing recreational baseball, um, some sort of uh, little league. Uh, men and women who care enough about kids and baseball would give hours and hours of organizing, coaching, and carpooling kids to practice the games. Uh, this dad observed and was amazed over the years of how committed the adults and um, adults to see their children under, understand the play and play the game baseball. And this was especially true of fathers. Um, fathers uh, would spend hours and hours going all over the excellent points of the game, imparting pearls of baseball wisdom that they were taught uh, to them as kids. You know, 
Choke up on the bat. Keep your elbow up. You know, follow through when you throw that ball. You know, uh, tag up on the fly ball. So sometimes fathers get a little overzealous uh, in, in these things. You know, people like them who are very passionate about the game are probably admirable. But for us Christians, we should be excited about teaching God's word to our next generation. And that's what we should passionate, should be, you know, uh, that's our passion to be in our younger generation. That's, that's the passion of our Bible college as well. And we have that vision that by teaching our younger generation about God and His Word, he would have a gener- we would have a generation whose heart is to reach others, this country, and even the world of the gospel of Christ. And that's our vision, that our graduates, our students that will be, you know, become uh, workers of the Lord, servants of the Lord in the future, would be used by God for them to reach others as well, to, to, be, to be a vessel of, of, uh, of the word of God in, in, in this country and even to the uttermost part of the world. Why is it necessary to have a Bible college? Well, we already have that first uh, answer. There is a command to obey. Now, there's the second one. And not only we have a command to obey, but there is a challenge to overcome. If you just look around in your society, there's a big challenge for us the church, and even for us now, who are the people of God, there's a big challenge that we should overcome. Now look with me, in having that idea, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I know you've heard these, uh, 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 these, these verses, uh, 1 to 5, Chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. We have a big challenge to overcome. Now, the world around us especially the so-called first world countries, is entering into the post-Christian era. Now, um, if you're studying contemporary theology, um, North America right now is going into a direction wherein they would call themselves post-modernistic era. Uh, what's that word? It simply means 
that there's no absolutes. The, their standard is relative, and there's no absolutes anymore. And so they're denying the absolute word of God, and of course, whatever your principle or whatever, you know, what you say about what you believe, that's, that's true. And there's no standard anymore. Society is falling farther away from the principles of the word of God. The same principles, actually, that enable them and this nation, this country, to become the first nation. And I believe that's the, that's the reason why North America, Canada, United States, become the first nation because, uh, you know, London, uh, England, UK, they became the first nation because of their fathers and also... Um, how they have been faithful in the word of God, but that's long gone before. It's long gone. And the same policies that enable them to become the first nation, and there can only be one end result if that trend continues. And many churches today are slowly drifting away, slowly drifting away from the biblical principles that once they have embraced. The idea of Great Commission is that the church should influence the world with the gospel, right? So we come here, and actually God wants us to go out to influence the world. Okay, so, but sadly, the world changed the church. Much worse, worldliness is inside the church. And that's what is happening right now. Many Christians everywhere see the church services, Bible study, and the Bible with diminishing value in today's hectic and time-competitive world. And the consequences can be devastating. And the way how Christians think and act today is like the world. I heard the preacher said, you... You know, uh, Christians nowadays smell like the world, act like the world, speak like the world. That's how uh, Christians nowadays, and, and you can see if we will not open our eyes and see that there are challenges that we need to be faced. And these are all heavy and big challenges. If we will not teach our younger generation with and impart to them the word of God, the world will teach them what they should do with their lives. Is that right? Of course. If we will not teach them, then who will teach, teach this, younger gener this younger generation? Of course, they're public, the public school. I'm not saying that public schools, it's, uh, you know. Um, but, of course, you can see that the, the, uh, some of the teaching there is really anti-biblical. Who will teach them? Of course, their friends. Who will teach them? Of course, the influence in universities and, and such. The world will teach our younger generation in how to live their life for their own selves. Now, as a church, if we would, if we would stop teaching the word of God and became unfaithful to him, we will be like the churches in the past who was shut down because nobody would cares about the word of God in church anymore. 
Now, look at, just look at, um, you know, go back in the history, and you see churches after churches that Apostle Paul had established. I'm not saying that it's by his power. I'm just saying that God, through him, established many churches where they are right now. They're not there. And I don't know how many years that God would give us this Grace Baptist Church, this, this uh, great church that we have. But if we be unfaithful with the word of God, we will not be here in Surrey also in the future if our generation has uh, have no care or whatsoever with God and his word. You know, in PWBC, we have um, an exit level course uh, called Advanced Theology. And I know some of the students are here and they know what, it, what is it. Uh, this course is a kind of a refresher uh, to the fourth year students on the 10 doctrines of the Bible. So if you don't know the 10 doctrines of the Bible, you can ask them and, and, and try their knowledge. So uh, we study them again and also and also learn the contemporary issues that, uh, that come out from these doctrines. And we also learn some major theological systems that they, will be face, that they will face after they graduate from Bible college. You know, exciting, right? Uh, they will learn this. But what this course more exciting is that they get a chance to um, formulate their own statement of faith. At this exit level, fourth year, they will be making their own statement of faith based on the scriptures, and each of them will have an opportunity to explain some of their belief systems in front of the faculty. They will be having an oral exam. Uh, that's exciting, right? <laughs> okay, so we do this not because they will know everything that there is to know, right? Four years is not enough, I would tell you, to learn God's word. You are, you're just starting. I think you're just surfacing. You're just in the surface. We pour out ourselves to them and train them the best we know how because they need to be rooted and grounded in Christ and his word. And that's our desire to them. When they go out, they will not be those Bible college students who will start their own organization as well. They will not be those people who will start their movement also. Does this make them invulnerable to the lies of the devil? Absolutely not. I have, I have a um, classmate also. Um, I think two or three of them became Calvinist, and I, I'm being sad to, in, into them, but I'm still, we are still friends. But we are talking about uh, doctrines, of, um, they're talking about to me about doctrines of uh, Calvinism, and it's like, um, okay, we will not uh, tackle that. And that is sad um, in some sense, because they are not invulnerable to the lies of the devil also. But it would prepare the things that they were learning in the Bible college, they would prepare them to the challenges that they, would, that they will face and overcome them by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit through our 
Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what happened? Well, let's say, for example, what happened if we ignore the challenges that we are um, facing today in our society? Now, we see the problem, we see the challenges, and we did nothing about it. We don't teach our younger generation. We don't, you know, just, just do. Um, I will let, um, you know, the Sunday school have their own doctrine, or I will let just um, others who would teach them. Now, what happened? Now, let's go back to Psalm 78, verse 8. Now, go back to our passage and look with me in Psalm 78, verse 8. And we'll ask your help, and let's read all together in verse 8, okay? If you're there, let's begin. It might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. How can you imagine this kind of generation? If we forget what God has commanded to us, if we will not obey, if we will not pass on, if we don't even care of this teenager's college and career, or even just the younger in Christ, we don't even care, then we have a generation first whose heart is stubborn and rebellious. We can see that in the Old Testament. What happened to them? Their carcasses in, in the wilderness. A generation whose heart is not right in the sight of the Lord. That's what the kind of generation that we were going to have if we don't teach our younger generation. And number three, a generation whose spirit is not steadfast with God. Many young people nowadays just carried away with their emotion discouragement. Why? Because they don't look in the scriptures. They don't know about it. They don't know about the scriptures. And that's why they just go into their friends. They just go into other people. And you know what will happen. So what should we do then? Now as a church, we should be faithfully continue to teach our younger generation about God and his word. This is the reason why we have a Bible college. Because we want to pass on. We want to uh, passionately give or teach to them the word of God. When it comes to God and his word, learning does not stop when you finish a college or a Bible college. You know, um, probably many Christians would say, I'm not in a college anymore. I'm working. That's not for me. Well, you can even spend your entire life studying the Word of God, and then you will find out that there are still lots of things to learn. So really, learning the Word of God is actually a lifetime is a lifetime. As parents, I'm not a parent, 
but I'm praying. As parents, you should, you know, I encourage you, you should always encourage your children to have a standard from the Bible and not according to their friends and what they see on the television or social media. When they would tell you that they would like to go to Bible college, you know, you should encourage them. You know, that would be a devastating when, when your kid is actually called by God and you are the one that stopped that. You see that? That would be a devastating. Your kid will, will yes, he probably will have a good life, you know, have good career, but if he is called or she is called by God and you are the one who stopped it, I don't know. I don't know. I'm saying this based on my experience and, and even if you ask Pastor White or Pastor Tim or Pastor Devian and some of, the, of you here, some of you here um, have Bible college experience too. And when you ask yourself, is it really worth it? Is it worth a year or four years in the Bible college? Now I said to you, it's a big yes for me. It's a big yes. Millard Erickson shared his answer um, in, this, in this question. And there's a question that says, why theology is necessary? Why theology is necessary? He said, theology is necessary because truth and experience are related. While some would deny or at least question this connection, in a long run, the truth will affect our experience. A person who falls from the 10th story of a building may shout while passing each window on the way down, he would say, I'm still doing fine. You know, I'm still doing fine. It may meant, uh, it may meant it, but eventually the fact of the matter will catch up with the person's experience. You know what will happen to him. We may continue to live on happily, on happily for hours and even days after a close loved one's ha uh, after a close uh, close loved one unknown to us passed away. But again, the truth will come with crushing effect on our experience, since meaning and truth of the Christian faith will eventually have an ultimate bearing on our experience. We must come to grips with them. We must come to grips with them. Now, in closing, we, 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 we already seen the, nece the necessity while, why we have a Bible college here. It takes a church, you know, it takes a church to raise a, Christ a Christian generation. And this is why we will always need a Bible college.